0: Hello and welcome to the Technicast, the PhD podcasting community open to all. My name's Polly and together with fellow Techni student Julian, we invite different guests to speak with us each month about their work. This month we're thinking about the theme of music, where we'll be speaking to two researchers about how their work engages with what music means to us and how we listen to it, and its incredible capacity to connect and to affect us. We are absolutely delighted to start our musical conversation off with Kiana Farrell, who is a musician and composer. He'll start his technically funded project on digital music and materiality at Kingston University later this year in October. His research looks at the ecological materials that music consists of and invites us to engage with digital music in perhaps a different way than we've become used to. I'll be back with Kian at the end of the episode to speak a little bit more about his own creative practice. But now we're very pleased to present Kian's paper, The Materiality of Digital Music and a short extract from his composition, From the Core to the Mind. Enjoy.
1: Music has always carried connotations of the immaterial. We talk of escaping our bodies, of escaping the world. We announce, the music was so good, I felt as if I was transcending the universe. Most recently, we've heard Sophie and the artists of PC Music explore the possibilities of escaping the restrictions of the material world through electronic music. In the Romantic period, music and the composer genius were seen as existing outside of history, above the corporeal world. Music was a form that could transcend the constraining and fatalistic realities of nature. Under this essentialist view, musical materials were inert objects, manipulated by uniquely agential human subjects. This neglect of musical materials corresponded with a nature-man dichotomy in which humanity transcends and dominates untamed nature in 1854 music critic Edward Hanslick declared nature does not give us the artistic materials for a completely ready-made tonal system it only gives us the raw physical materials which we make subservient to music the composer was master of subservient passive materials The primary role of the composer was to transport the listener as far away from the source of sound, far away from musical materials. This immaterialist perception of music has persisted. The materials that facilitate modern music listening and modern music practice are still, to a large extent, neglected and obscured. The emerging digital technologies that have radically altered music in the last century are closely aligned with themes of immaterialism, and disembodiment. Popular music theorist Philip Hauslander writes that to look at the progression of the material forms of music media from shellac or vinyl discs to CDs to direct downloading from the internet is to witness the progressive dematerialization of the musical object. In other words, the development of music technology in the past century has been one where materials are relied upon less and less there is a suggestion that music has progressed to the point where materials are no longer needed. Ted Nelson notes that computers offer a daydream of sorts, the possibility to store things digitally rather than physically. But this is merely a daydream. A daydream that combines a public imagination influenced by science fiction and an intense commodity fetishism that surrounds contemporary digital culture. As Jonathan Stern puts it, if a medium can be called a medium, then it has a physical infrastructure. Digital music is a vast and grand medium, therefore it has a substantial material infrastructure. While this physical infrastructure may not always be easily traceable or immediately visible, it always draws upon the materials of the earth. In his book, Decomposed, A Political Ecology of Digital Music, Kyle Define directs attention to the two primary components of digital music, its delivery infrastructure and its accessory hardware. To the listener, downloading and streaming seem like utterly virtual and ethereal acts. Their connections to physical infrastructures and the materialities of the earth are distant and remote. The sources of the materials involved in downloading and streaming are not often within reach. They are indirect. Nevertheless, the material reality of digital music is substantial and entirely significant when studying the environmental effects of digital music. Kathy Carruth asks music listeners and producers to draw attention to the aggregate material effects of discrete digital acts. Carruth is referring to the discrete acts of downloading or streaming content. These acts seem immaterial. Their material form is not immediately apparent. Yet the material effects of these aggregate discrete acts manifest primarily in data server farms where the use of materials and minerals is substantial. One data server farm can use thousands of megawatts in electricity. This could power millions of homes. This reiterates the inherent physicality and traceability of digital music. Instead of the dematerialization of the musical object, the number of materials used by musicians has in fact greatly increased. The materials that form the basis of digital culture have led to an increased reliance on the ecologically harmful practices of fracking and mineral processing. So far from transcending matter into a metaphysical, immaterial realm, emerging digital media technologies rely heavily on ecological materials. Despite the trope of immateriality that has been suggested, materials have played a significant role in the formation of contemporary digital music practice. The Earth's material resources are active contributors to digital music. They have cultivated and continue to cultivate digital music culture. Digital music is a practice enabled by geological, ecological processes, by the formation of minerals and ores. The materiality of digital technology is a metallic one. Annually, 36% of all tin, 25% of cobalt, 15% of palladium, 15% of silver, 9% of gold, and 2% of copper are put into media technologies. So there has never been a more important time to counter this fluffy white cloud characterizing digital music and digital technology. It is also crucial to depart from a perspective that privileges human musicians over other entities in the digital music process. By neglecting and obscuring the materials that make digital music practice possible, there has been a failure to understand their fundamental role in the creative process. However, the recent prominence of philosophies that have focused on the agency of non-humans is an opportunity to recognize the agential role of materials in music practice. In particular, new materialism and vital materialism have advocated for a departure from the privileging of humans over other entities, far from being inert and subservient to transcendent human creativity, neo-materialist philosophies acknowledge that materials have a life and past life of their own. Recently Deleuzean assemblage theory has been utilized to account for the constellation of agencies, human and non-human, that occur in digital music making. Developed by Deleuze and Guattari in A Thousand Plateaus, Assemblages are conglomerates of immanent, material, non-material, human and non-human agents that are engaged in active processes of becoming. By applying the concept of assemblages to studies of digital musicking, a plane in which humans are not the sole possessors of agency is implemented. This allows us to overcome the defunct binary of life matter by highlighting the vibratory power of materials in digital music production. Assemblage theory probes at a contingency within matter itself. It probes at the aleatory capacities of materials. Manuel de Landa writes, Unlike essentialism, where matter is viewed as an inert receptacle for forms that come from the outside, transcendental essences. Here matter is seen as possessing its own imminent, intensive resources for the generation of form from within. So what would this involve? What would it mean to understand digital music as an assemblage of human and non-human agents? It would mean exploring the contingent, aleatory processes of the metals and plastics used to create a laptop, How these non-human processes merge with other agencies. The agency of the musician or musicians. The agency of the materials contained in the software used. It would mean observing how these agencies collide in an open process of becoming to create music, harmony, timbre, rhythm. A picture emerges in which we can see that the production of a song using digital technology is a collaboration between humans and non-humans, a collaboration between the creative spirit within the musician and the morphogenetic capabilities inherent in materials. Yet this picture is confrontational. The materials of digital music are deeply challenging entities. They challenge our arrogant anthropocentric illusions. We begin to see that digital music begins with the ground beneath our feet. Digital music begins in the formation of the minerals and the metals that fuel it. And in geology, depth also means time. An assemblage approach to digital music begins to see it as a form of music that engages with distant, unfamiliar temporalities. Deep time is a term that was developed by geologist John McPhee in his book Basin and Range in 1981. It concerns the vast time scale of our planet and the materials that we use in our daily existence. It has been used in digital technology studies to refer to the grand time scale that occurs in order for digital technologies to come to be produced and consumed. Deep time is an attempt to expand the history of media beyond the Anthropocene. Bringing the concept of deep time into the study of digital music means that we understand the manufacturing of our digital music technologies does not begin in a factory, nor does it begin in a mine. It has a deep-rooted history. Playing music on a computer is not only an act of musical creation, it is, as Philip Cole eloquently puts it, an act of mediated sonifications with distant, non-human pasts. The deep time of the earth is incommensurable with the musical temporalities that we are familiar with. It is vast, unknowable, and it cannot be seen or heard. And yet it is the time scale in which digital music materials are made. Deep time is a useful term as it references the connection between the time scale of the earth and the depth of the earth. As noted before, The number of materials necessary for digital technology means that digital music involves more of the Earth's minerals and resources, therefore more depth. There are epochs of non-linear geological history that precede the production of a track on digital software. Deep time links the immediate present with remote, distant pasts. Integrating the concept of deep time to the production and consumption of digital music is another way of moving away from human-centered conceptions of music practice. To conclude, if music has a magical quality, it is not that it can help us to escape the material world, but rather, music can help us to activate a relationship with a contingency within matter itself. It can help us to make contact with a new world emerging. We witness the generation of new musical forms from within, the generation of new worlds. Joshua Ramey points out that there is a transcendence specific to imminence, but such transcendence is not marked by a desire to escape the world. It is marked by an intensified engagement with this world. It is true transubstantiation, the conversion of matter into spirit through music.
0: Kian, thank you so much for joining us on the Technicast today. It's such a pleasure to hear about this exciting research ahead of you starting your doctoral research at Kingston this October and it's also such a wonderful way to open up ideas for our August theme of music so thank you again for coming on.
1: Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
0: I also just so enjoyed your paper. It's really changed and kind of challenged the way I was thinking about music and its materiality, its relationship to time and its connections to the world. And I think I definitely had that sort of vague trope of immateriality in my mind when I thought about digital music before listening to your talk. And I really loved how you spoke about bringing it from that fluffy white cloud down into the earth and its metallic ecological nature and and, um, the way you spoke about the process of becoming as well. Can I ask about how you first became interested in the possibilities of materiality and digital music?
1: I was thinking about this and I think it came from a composer, Harry Parch. I really loved his music as a teenager. So I read his book he wrote called Genesis of a Music. And he was kind of interested in microtonal structures like expanding the 12 tone scale in a quite extreme way and he made his own instruments um in order to play these kind of vast scales so learning about that kind of really confronted me with the kind of limits of the materials we use is we use or how or how the kind of agency of materials kind of affects the way we make music or so that was kind of the, the first way I thought about it, and he was kind of opposing a sort of romantic period idea of the kind of invisibility of music uh, towards a more corporeal music based on the instruments themselves and the materials themselves. So that was kind of the my first introduction into it, and then that just, because it has kind of philosophical implications, it kind of spread out into all of the... Of philosophers I was reading at the time yeah.
0: What instruments in particular yeah. materials do you remember listening to that really sparked that interest? I mean he was
1: just building uh, this I think there's a collection somewhere in New York of his instruments but um, he built his own music so that he could play basically semitones as full tones and by doing that kind of multiplied the traditional western scale and and in that way <laughs> could play just a myriad of melodies that that aren't possible on a piano. or, uh... but, I, but, I mean, his materials were, you know, still the same basic materials of that time. It was kind of Depression-era America, so it was still wood. So I think when I started to think about it, it as digital music, which is something that is really tainted by that trope of immaterialism, it was kind of fascinating to think that actually materials have expanded rather than (laughs) the opposite you know it's it's been a sort of multiplication of the amount of materials we use in music in, in in quite an extraordinary way so that kind of excited me and but why are we kind of still thinking the opposite why are we still thinking of digital music as immaterial?
0: So exciting, like you <laughs> said, and just so, <laughs> so interesting, the sheer amount of, of different materials and, and the way that it seems <laughs> to be expanding and, and continuing to expand. I'd love to hear about how this has impacted your own creative practice with music as, as well. Are you, how do you approach musical creation and collaboration now with, with these ideas in mind?
1: It's a tricky one. I um, like to do things like relatively intuitively or i i don't know i still think of music praxis as a very kind of intuitive thing and i try not to intellectualize i mean my phd project is theoretical it's it's not based on my own compositions but i guess i'm aware of, of much more of the materials i'm using and i'm aware of the idea that it's not just me alone in, in a process I don't feel like we have an image of digital music like as bedroom pop and people alone in their bedrooms. There's a whole kind of history behind the materials we use. Even that, I kind of talked about the abstraction of the materials themselves in the essay, Mm. but I didn't speak about the abstraction of also the labor, the human labor that goes into these materials. Um, So that's something I'm kind of aware of, because I think we've tendency to talk about digital music or digital software as the democr- uh, as a democraticalization of music but that's quite problematic because it's also linked to quite severe exploitation the way these materials are mined
0: it's quite an unhelpful idea that that stereotype of Mm -hmm. the like you said the bedroom music and is it so is that something that you're planning to explore and interrogate within the phd project
1: yeah i think so just looking at the origins of that or and also i mean just in do you know the musician Sophie at all? Like...
0: No, I didn't. I um, I heard you mention Sophie in in your mm-hmm. kind of opening mm-hmm. introduction, mm-hmm. and I've got it scribbled yeah. down here to listen to now. But no, I haven't.
1: I just oh, yeah, I feel like kind of her music was like a way of really exploring immateriality, and yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in that. Where where that kind of trope comes from? Because did synthesizers in general, I think, just have an ethereal sound or. Mm but maybe it's just because we, we're not aware of the materials that are used for them that we don't realise it's not ethereal, it's actually very grounded and mm. ecological.
0: I think that's just why it's such a, such an interesting project that you're embarking on. So you have kind of mentioned previously about two compositions um, that you worked on, was it last year? They're called Hydraulic Labour and From the Core to the Mine, which we heard a little bit from earlier and I'll play a little bit more now. Both of these compositions actively work to centre non-human contributors to highlight the material and the grounded material processes of digital music technology. How did the ecological materials play a creative role in these pieces? Mm, I think,
1: well, the way I thought about it for the, from the core to the mind, the first composition was thinking about it very geographically or geologically, pardon, like as in layers of strata, so it kind of starts in the core and then works its way up to the mine. And musically, or melodically, it was kind of a way of thinking about the formation of melodic structures. I think the, the first thing, I when I had the idea of kind of making a song about basically like the history or the non-linear history of musical materials, the first thing I was confronted with was do I use, you know, my own kind of compositional preferences, or is is that too uh, like all too human? But I think, in a very kind of Kantian way, I sort of realized that I I my perception of musical materials is always going to be a perception of those materials. So I didn't actually neglect my own compositional technique. So there is a kind of movement I was influenced by called psychogeophysics. It's very new. It's kind of a opposition to psychogeography it's a very speculative kind of fun movement where you kind of speculate the kind of origins the material origins of different art practices so one of those was western harmony i didn't in that particular song there is sort of very basic western harmony and i was kind of speculating on maybe the material origins of Western harmony. So the kind of start of the song was kind of thinking of the idea that maybe the movement of tectonic plates in the West and the East could possibly, in a sort of <laughs> subliminal way, have influenced the development of these kind of melodic structures. It's completely speculative. It's not a scientific idea, but that was the kind of fun I was having. That was kind of one of the ideas, yeah, like how... Maybe the movement of the plates where we live influences the formation of melodies or harmonies. Yeah?
0: That's so fun. And mm-hmm. so, again, really exciting to think more broadly and think outside of our own time and outside of our anthropocentric mm-hmm. focus. With your PhD project then, are you planning to look at the, the kind of speculative ideas, what the possibilities are that you kind of uh, allude to um, in that really exciting manner at the end of your paper, that idea of activating a relationship with contingency, with matter itself through music and how that's so that's uh, got so many different possibilities. And I just think, yeah, if you've got any, what are the possibilities of engagement or generation that you're looking to explore within, within the doctoral research as, as you start and, and continue?
1: Uh, I mean, the main kind of crux of my research is lose um and his philosophy and applying it to the kind of works going on at the Visconti Studio at Kingston Uni, where where I'll be doing the PhD. Um, yeah, and, and I guess you're looking at a kind of contingency within matter or yeah I I I feel like I kind of got into these philosophers through theology so I speak in a kind of theological religious kind of undertone (laughs) that's how I kind of discovered Deleuze so I always thought of Deleuze as a kind of in a relationship to a kind of imminent theology in which you could act instead of kind of escaping the world you could transform it Mm. by sort of tapping into it's a contingency or a sort of chance element. So that's kind of one thing I'm interested in exploring. And I, and I think music is, is a kind of unique way of doing that or grants an opportunity to do that in, in quite an exciting way in terms of, I think that music practice is essentially contingent and you don't really know what's going to happen. And, and I think, Previously, I would have attributed that to, I guess, the the personality of the musician, whereas now I'm beginning to think about it as the personality of the materials themselves. Um, I, um, I, I think a lot of the research is going to be kind of um, hashing out those terms of agency and contingency. Even now, I'm kind of trying to read... Uh, rationalist philosophy to i guess see the other side of things and I'm kind of going for the for the opposite at the moment <laughs>
0: <laughs> i feel like there's such a big project and like i completely agree music is just so apt to explore that contingency and i was wondering whether this is are at all thinking of of um deep time and and whether the um issues of climate crisis at all or are in your mm-hmm. mind as you're kind of thinking about starting and kind of reading around um, ahead of ahead of October?
1: Yeah it's definitely kind of at the forefront and it was at the forefront of my proposal mm. as well. Specifically the kind of school of philosophy, the new materialism that I'm kind of drawing upon influenced by Deleuze, the climate crisis is really at the center of a lot of their research now and particularly one philosopher Quentin melisso like uh, that idea of kind of linking deep time or these kind of ancient fos- fossils that confront us with our own subjectivity and possibly for the first time uh, tell us about our own ab- about objects in, in a way that kind of precedes the human mm. um, something that interests me and like I said I think the compositions was the best way I kind of brought in I kind of was able to explore the climate crisis and also seeing the abstraction of the crisis and the human labor and exploitation that also goes along with things. It's a tricky one though. For my, for my master's thesis, I kind of, at times, was just veering into a kind of polemic, a political polemic. Oh, I'll have to see. <laughs>
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Technicast. Thanks again to Kian for sharing his very exciting research with us at the early stage and for letting us play those short extracts from his composition, From the Core to the Mine. If you would like to listen to the full piece and more, we've left the link where you can find them in the episode show notes. Please do share this episode with anyone you think might be interested and you can also subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes so that more people might be able to listen to our incredible guests' research. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time where we'll be hearing from Ruth Hansford about her work on musicians' listening, hearing and storytelling. We are also currently planning our September theme around the idea of practice. Our call for papers is still open, so if your research is interested in practice or if you're doing a practice-based PhD, you can find our call for papers on our Twitter at Technicast or you can email us at technicaster at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. But for now, a huge thanks again to Kian. Thanks to Tatney for their ongoing support and thanks to you for listening. Take care.